New, new, new black, new, new black Wall Street book club. Evan Jefferson, brother, much love. Educating, elevating, because in knowledge is the power and we'll never give it up. <laughs> Literature is for the masses. Where to put your money down the how to watch your assets. Yeah, uplifting others is a passion. My brother Evan, he will turn it into action. New Black Wall Street Book Club. You should come read with come us. Read with us. Yeah, we comprehend and discuss. Yeah. If we all just come together, there's no limit for there's us. No limit for us. <laughs> Here comes your host, New Black Wall Street. Evan, take it away. New Black Wall Street Book Club. Welcome to the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put it in a book, we absolutely will find it. I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, CEO of ERGJ Enterprises, ERGJ Black Bazaar, and international best selling author of the book. The Black Billionaires Club. It's a study of black wealth. It's a study of the 12 richest black people in the world today and how they built their wealth. And I just believe that if you want to be wealthy, you should study wealthy people. We can find that book by going to the website www.theblackbillionairesclub.com www.theblackbillionairesclub.com You'll find that link in the description above or below. In today's episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club, we continue along in our journey into the book, What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis P. Kimbrough. What Makes the Great Great? Strategies for Extraordinary Achievement by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Daily Motivation for African-American Success by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough. Uh, today, uh, today is July 22nd and I'm still here. Uh, thank God he's given me another opportunity to make a difference in your life. Uh, our, today's passage is, uh, states the night shift, the night shift. And here's our quote of the day from, uh, TJ Jemison, president of the National Baptist Convention, who says this, black folks need to blow out the dim lamp of poverty and turn on the beacon light of hope. Black folk need to blow out the dim lamp of poverty and turn on the beacon light of hope. And here's today's passage. Here's our passage today. Let's read. Some years ago, on returning from a business trip, a man brought his wife some souvenirs. Among them was a matchbox that would glow in the dark. After giving it to her, he turned out the light, but the object was not visible. This must be a joke, she said. Disappointed, the husband commented, I've been cheated. Then his wife noticed a few words written in French on the bottom of the box. Taking it to a friend who knew the language, she was told that the directions read, if you want me to shine at night, keep me in the sunlight during the day. So she placed her gift in her bedroom window. That evening, she turned out the light. The matchbox had a brilliant glow. Her surprised husband asked, what did you do? Oh, I found the secret, she replied. Before it can shine at night, it must be exposed to the light. This tale has a deeper meaning. Before you can shine in all types of circumstances, before you can reach your full potential, you must be exposed to the light. You must place yourself in situations where opportunity is possible. 
you must be exposed to the light uh, before you can shine in all types of circumstances uh, before you can reach your full potential you must be exposed to the light you must place yourself in situations where opportunity is possible how do you ask the sun for sunlight by getting out into the sun how do you ask electricity for light for your lamp by turning on the switch uh, how do you ask the creator for what you want by placing yourself into the divine flow all lights all power all energy flows to the individual who places himself or herself in situations where opportunities are possible. Well, kings and queens, today on this magnificent Monday, will you intentionally or purposely put yourself in places where opportunities are possible? Let me read this part one more again. Before you can shine in all types of circumstances, before you can reach your full potential, you must be exposed to the light. Exposed to the light. Here's our affirmation of the day. Here's what you want to you know, allow to take root into your, your heart, your subconscious, and then grow and develop this thing by repeating it over and over and over again until it brings forth a harvest into your life. Repeat after me. I make it a point to walk in the light. Again, I make it a point to walk in the light. Let's do it one more time, kings and queens. One more time for the people in the back. This time, say it with some conviction. Repeat after me. I will make it a point to walk in the light. That's our passage here today for um, Daily Motivations for African American Success by Mr. Dennis Kimbrough, July 22nd. Right? The night shift. I will make it a point to walk in the light. Well, kings and queens, we want to get right into our main text for today. Uh, that's our warm-up, I guess you could say. Get some of our affirmation, our quote, and also moves us to the right mental space in order to receive some great content this morning. A quick word from our sponsor. Uh, we're going to be moving into what makes the great great continue along we're in chapter four i think 4.1 or something like that 4.2 i think uh we're gonna be talking continue along talking about integrity uh through it all and we may get into what you value most again 30 minutes a day to keep broke away 30 minutes a day to keep broke away we'll see how far we can get before we need to cut it off uh and we'll probably only get through one section because it's pretty long at any rate what makes the great great what makes the great great by mr dennis p kimbrough what makes the great great through it all they maintained their integrity through it all they maintained their integrity 
Let's read. In the back rooms of the Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C., a slender middle-aged woman worked diligently for $9 a week. Traces of refinement and culture distinguished her from her colleagues. She was thankful to have the job, a position bestowed upon her by the then Agriculture Secretary J.M. Rusk in response to the following letter. Cedar Hill, Anastasia, D.C., November 26, 1891. Honorable J.M. Rusk, Secretary of Agriculture. Sir, I have the honor to remind you as requested of the case of Miss Such-and-Such, a member of the family in which I was formerly a slave. Circumstances have reduced the fortune of that branch of the family to which Miss Such-and-Such belongs. And hence she seeks, through my intercession, some employment by which she may assist herself and family in this, their hour of need. It is a strange reversal of human relations that brings myself, the slave, and this lady, brought up in the lap of luxury and ease, now to seek the humble employment I ask for her. Miss such and such will, I am sure, if given the place she seeks, prove herself a useful member of the agricultural service and grateful for the appointment hoping that no obstacle will be found to get her getting the place she seeks. I am, sir, very truly, your obedient servant, Frederick Douglass. I was just about to say, man, wow, that's a, a good letter right there. Frederick Douglass wrote that. Okay, all right, Frederick Douglass, my man. Power is the great goal of ambition. Power is the great goal of ambition. And it is only through integrity that one can arrive at a personality strong enough to move human move humanity and nations. In 1968, a young sanitation worker from Memphis, Tennessee wrote to Dr. King. He stated in part, the fate of an entire race centers on you. Mentally exhausted, his speeches increasingly alluding to his possible death Dr. King answered the call and preached his most stirring sermon. There was no other individual in the world that could stand against his integrity. By comparison, what are the millions of the Rock Rockefellers or the Kennedys compared to Martin Luther King's true worth? What are the works of Michelangelo or Van Gogh compared to the righteousness and moral fiber of Dr. King's shining example? Few people have ever been the foundation that has prevented society from crumbling. In athletics, Jackie Joyner Kersey is born to wear a crown, always dashing and racing, jumping, hurtling, heaving a six-pound shot, slinging spears. She has at last reached the station her grandmother foretold nearly three decades ago and naming her after a first former first lady. But her chances had seemed so slender. Jackie was born in East St. Louis, Illinois the second of four children, born to children. Her mother and father were 16 and 14 the day they wed. The young couple took up residence in both the coldest and warmest house in the neighborhood, across the street from a tavern, down the block from a pool hall, and around the corner, blessedly, from a playground. Her father shined shoes and mowed lawns before finding more stable work on the railroad, which unfortunately carried him far from home for considerable stretches of time. But it was Jackie's mother who set the moral and spiritual tone in the house. She applied discipline just for discipline's sake, Jackie remembers. Like making us wear the same outfits two days in a row, 
Why the same clothes back to back, I'd ask? Can't I stagger them? No, she'd say. This is the rule of the house. The son of postal workers, Danny Glover, movie producer and screen star, is a rare bird in a business that often breeds huge egos and distrust. The talented actor, one of the more bankable personalities in Hollywood, long ago decided not to live among the glitz and glitter. Instead, he chose to remain with his wife and daughter in San Francisco's modest height Ashbury section. Glover's idea of a time well spent is to visit schools across the country, encouraging literacy and discouraging drug use. I must be a part of something real, he confessed. Fame is fleeting. I'm going to be the guy next door long after I'm a celebrity, and I try to keep that, that in sight. No one goes unnoticed, no matter how ordinary. Humility and honesty tell the story of our lives. Humility and honesty tell the story of our lives. The main business of life is not to do, but to become. The main business in life is not to do, but to become. Well, kings and queens, that begs the question. What and or who are you becoming? As you look at your life and where you presently stand, if you're, I were to ask you this, with what you are currently doing, how you are currently operating, where would you, where would you, where do you think you'll end up in five years? What kind of house will you live in? What kind of car will you be driving? What kind of neighborhood will you abide in? If you keep doing what you've been doing, if you keep going in the direction you've been going, if you keep, uh, you know, dealing, using or uh, applying the same habits that you currently have, in five years from now, where will that lead you? And see, there are some that are watching right now to be tuning in and they realize, you know, I am practicing good habits and my good habits are going to lead me to good fortune. But there are others who may tune in who will be honest with themselves and say, you know what, I am practicing some bad habits and my bad habits will lead me to bad misfortune. Five years from now, there's a quote that says, man, I can tell where you'll be just simply by the people that you hang with, the books that you read, and the stuff that you watch and listen to. It's not about the doing. It's about the becoming. Who and or what are you becoming? You cannot help trusting such individuals who believe this. The very presence gives confidence. Hazel O'Leary was a senior level executive for the Northern States Power Company in Minneapolis, Minnesota, when she was nominated for the position of Secretary of Energy. Former National Urban League CEO and White House Transition Team Leader Vernon Jordan made frequent calls to Minnesota inquiring about her candidacy. Among other questions, was O'Leary superior? She is the very person for the position, her boss replied. But we can't spare her. Sir, Jordan replied. We don't want someone who can't be spared. Integrity is the end and aim of the highest life. 
it is infinitely more precious to be nobly remembered than to be nobly born. In 1947, Walker Smith, better known as Sugar Ray Robinson, bested a talented Jimmy Doyle in a championship fight. Robinson never looked better. In the middle of rounds, a thundering right hand came crashing to Doyle's head. The young fighter died the next day. Unknown to anyone, including his fans and close friends, Robinson established a trust fund to care for the fallen fighter's wife and children. Wow. Well, a few of the five professional games under his belt, Bob Bass, general manager of professional, professional basketball San Antonio Spurs, was asked by a sports writer what he liked best about the team's newest member, David Robinson. Is it the way he attacks the boards or his ball handling skills? How about his inside game? Bass kept his eyes fixed on his prized recruit and said without emotion, the thing I like best about David is the way he stands during the national anthem. Character lies at the root of all virtues. Few women married to powerful men have been able to hold on to their identity as well as Jean Young. The wife of Ambassador Andrew Young never fought her beliefs or her values. She simply lived them. While Andrew, Young, while Andrew Young headed the United States mission to the United Nations, the couple lived in a ritzy penthouse in New York's Waldorf Astoria Towers. But after only a few days under such royal conditions, Jean Young fired her maid and her butler. She did it because each time her children requested something to drink, they were served in a silver goblet on a dolly line tray. She realized this, this form of luxury was sending her children the wrong message. Be not simply good. She counseled her children. Be good for something. Be not simply good. Be good for something. Be not simply good, but be good for something. Wasn't it wonderful, billionaires, that as you woke up this morning that you actually are good for something? Uh, regardless of how you feel or regardless of you know what may have happened over the weekend. You are good for something. I would venture to say not only are you good for something, but you're great. But will you live out this greatness? Be not only good, be good for something. If integrity is your thing, you can find a lot to love about Joe Clark, former principal of Eastside High in Patterson, New Jersey, Bullhorn Cradled under one arm, a stack of books and paper resting in the other, Clark inspired, motivated, and expected nothing short of personal excellence from his school. He embraced his students, slapped high fives, and stared down anyone who thought his efforts to educate poor blacks and Hispanics were a waste of time. Many times in his battle for principle and truth, he stood alone fighting ignorance and racial bigotry. In his book, There Was No Middle Ground. No compromise between right and wrong or success and failure. Clark never pandered for public favor or sought applause. In the end, he received both in abundance. Character and wholeness were his goals and went straight to his mark. Though many educators shunned his methods, Joe Clark was too vocal to be censored, too broad for narrowness, and too focused for revenge. Bob Green a columnist for the Chicago Tribune, relates that one cold night after a game, Chicago Bulls superstar Michael Jordan headed through a large crowd of fans toward his car. 
As he opened the car door, Jordan saw a youngster in a wheelchair some 25 feet away. The boy's neck was bent at an unusual angle. His eyes could not look directly forward. Jordan walked over to the boy and knelt beside him. The youngster was so excited he began to rise out of the wheelchair. Michael comforted him, talked softly, and placed his arm around the boy's frail shoulder. The child's father tried to snap a picture, but the camera didn't work at first. Jordan noticed. Without being asked, he continued to kneel at the boy's side until the father was able to take the picture. Only then did the superstar return to his car. The boy's eyes were glistening with tears of joy. His dad has, was already replaying the moment with his son. If nothing good ever happens, Michael uh, happens again for that little boy. He will always know that on one night, Michael Jordan cared enough to include him in his world. Life finds its noblest spring of excellence and a hidden impulse to do the right thing. Oprah Winfrey once displayed her integrity and made life richer without ever using any of her millions. Though forced to stand alone, she endeared herself to all her viewers when she called a press conference to state the obvious. The talk show format, the very industry that she helped to create, had played a major role in wrestling America away from its spiritual and moral codes of conduct, and she could not, she would now change it. Nothing is more important than lifting a life to a plane worth living. Thirteen years after he enrolled as a freshman at Auburn University, Vincent Bo Jackson finally returned home. This former Heisman Trophy winner would find fame and fortune as a two-sport idol, earning millions in the process. But his most heroic act occurred on a late fall day before at a late fall day before 1,000 well-wishers who watched him walk across the stage to receive his degree. What made him do it? Why did he scramble and struggle to lay possession to something he surely did not need? Listen closely. His answer is worth noting. Five years ago, Bo confessed, I promised my dying mother that I would complete my degree. I have more than 30 credit hours to go, but I've always been a man of my word. What, does a, what a person does is the real test of who a person is. What a person does is a real test to who a person is. And we've discussed this in previous episodes, but it's not about what you say you will do. It's about what you do. What you do is a real test of who you are. Not, a, not, a, not what you say you will do that's a test of who you are. What a person does is the real test of who a person is. What a person does who a person is. In his last public address as he resigned his post as chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Colin Powell wrote the code to success. His left, he left his lasting legacy with three simple words, duty, honor, country. No individual ever entered into General Powell's company who did not feel himself uplifted and enlightened when he left. The real value of a people must be weighed on scales more delicate than the balance of trade. 
the real measure of a nation's worth is the amount it has contributed to the spiritual hope and moral conduct of all mankind. No other treasure in the world commands such a price as the jewel of integrity. Jesse Jackson recalls his first lesson in family value. As a six-year-old on Christmas Eve in his native Greenville, South Carolina, he and an older brother helped her, their father clean the offices of a prominent judge. Charles Jackson, the building custodian, gave his boys a quick lesson in the art of mopping, dusting, and polishing furniture, but his instructions were, went a bit further. As you tend your duties, he pointed out, if by chance you happen to find a $10 bill lying around, don't touch it. It was left there to test your character. He continued, boys, you should never risk your integrity or your soul for any amount of money. You should never risk your integrity or your soul for any amount of money. Now, this right here. <laughs> I mean, we live in a world today where people will give up anything. And I mean anything for a few measly dollars. Bargain with life for a penny, it'll pay you no more. I mean, the things that people would do for $20, for $30, for four, I mean, for small amounts of change. It's amazing how this little piece of paper that we have, which uh, you know denotes value in the economic system, uh, gets people to compromise their beliefs, compromise their integrity, in order to acquire this green little pay, this green back. Never risk your integrity. Never compromise your soul for any amount of money. If there's one quality that will make itself felt, it is integrity. You may have little education, slender abilities, meager resources, and no influence. Yet, if you possess impeccable integrity, this trait alone will demand influence and secure respect. Do you see this quality greater than courage and leadership in Moses at the Red Sea, Paul in every village and in, in every village in Hamlet, Christmas addicts at Boston Harbor, Sojourner Truth in her prayer closet, Nat Turner on the slaver's truck or track, Janetta Cole at Spellman, Arthur Ashe at Center Court, Naylor Fizha in the boardroom, Ralph Bunch on the General Assembly floor, Booker T. Washington at Tuskegee, Sybil Mobley at Florida A&M, Clara Hale in the nursery, Roberto Clemente in right field, Bernard Shaw on the evening news, Walter Massey in his laboratory, or in scores of others who have achieved greatness. Integrity is to greatness as perfume is to the flower. If we work upon marble, it will perish, wrote Daniel Webster, the 19th century American statesman. If upon brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble into dust. But if we work upon our mortal minds, if we imbue them with principles, with the just fear of God and the love of our family man, we engrave on those tablets something which will brighten through all eternity. If we want the deepest level of fulfillment, we can achieve it in only one way. And that is by doing 
what all high achieving men and women do by deciding what we value most in life and then committing to live by those values every single day. Now read this again, guys. This is very powerful, this last part. I mean, all of it is powerful, but this is so very powerful. I'm trying to find that one spot. Oh. If we want the deepest level of fulfillment, we can achieve it in only one way. And that is by doing what all the high achieving men and women do. What is it that they do, you might ask? Deciding, everybody put in the comments, so decide. Deciding what we value most in life. I mean, this is probably one of the greatest questions uh, you can get an answer to for your life. What you value most in life. And then committing. So you have to decide first and then commit to live by those values every single day. Have you decided what you value most in life? If so, have you made the commitment to live the rest of your life by what you say that you value most? See, I think that the, the last part is a part that, that kind of gets missed. I mean, the first part is very difficult. It seems it's very difficult for people just to simply decide. So once you get past that part, once you get move beyond the 80% of people who never decide on stuff, which actually is a decision, but you get some people that say, you know what, I I have decided, I have recognized, I've learned, I, I comprehend, I, I know, I see, I'm aware of what I value most. Then the part is, well, now I gotta commit. Now, commitment typically requires some type of change and some type of sacrifice. It also typically means that you'll be uh, you'll be out of the you'll be very it's very lonely, I guess. You're out of the norm. It's a very small, uh, 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 you know, very small group of people who have not only decided but they have committed. They've committed to personal development. They've committed to whatever it is that they value most in life. Now here's the deal. Now that I'm thinking about it, your habits tell what you have committed to. Your habits, you know, wake, what do you do every morning when you wake up? Have you committed to Facebook and Instagram? Have you committed to the marijuana? Have you committed to the alcohol? Have you committed to your family? I, I tell you, I tell you, even if you, even as we say this, deciding what you value most, even if you don't decide that, you still do commit to what you value most because you do it all the time. It shows up in your life. So it, 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 because we're habitual people, that's how it actually shows. You, by what you do, see people can see what you're committed to. Good, bad, or indifferent. And so now we're talking about choice. The choice to change. The choice to commit to something different, if need be. Or the choice to st stay steadfast in that which we have, which we have, which we see, which we notice, what we talk about, what we, what we aspire to be, what we value most in life. Well, billionaires, kings and queens, what's that? Say? I want you to think about that today. And maybe take some time to really answer that question for yourself. What do you value most in life? And I hope that it's not something as small or something as simple 
as money. I hope it's something much bigger than that. This is the New Black Wall Street Book Club, where black folk do read. If you put in a book, we absolutely will find it. Now, I'm your host, ERGJ, your certified financial educator, and we invite you to join the Black Billionaires Club. Get connected with brothers and sisters who are serious about winning with money, serious about success, and super serious about helping you to accomplish your goals and to build your dreams. Check out the website at www.theblackbillionairesclub.com, www.theblackbillionairesclub.com. You can find that link in the description above or below. Make a decision to change the rest of your life. We'd ask that you would subscribe and support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help us sustain future episodes to improve financial literacy within our community and ultimately to help us to build the School of Wealth, to build an institution that will teach the next generation about money. And your small monthly contribution can make all the difference. Well, it says, well we want to say thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the New Black Wall Street Book Club. We want you to remember this, that it takes a village. And it starts with us. Let's build as we climb together. We all we got, people. And thank God that that's more than enough. Until next episode, you know what time it is. Mr. DJ, hit the music. New, new, new black, new. It's the new black Wall Street book club. Wall Street. Your host Evan Jefferson. Evan Jefferson. It's time for us to go. Yeah. Now you ain't gotta leave the computer, but we encourage you to get out there and learn and apply all the things you learn at the new Black Wall Street book club. Book club. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.